the title, if I had to put a title on it, it's, uh, I'm going to call it Progression. Knowledge, Truth, Power, and Boldness. Most people would probably acknowledge the fact that they are not where they would like to be, or perhaps, uh, you know, not, not in exactly the same position, but we, we can also acknowledge the fact that we're not where we used to be. Amen. Aren't you glad that our God is faithful? Oh, yeah. That he who began the good work in us is faithful to complete it? Amen. That it's not dependent upon us. It is a finished work that he works. We may have a part to play, but it's a relatively small part to play. Philippians 1.6 says this, And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Well, as far as I know, Christ Jesus has not yet returned, so it's not too late. We're still being worked on. And see, our God sees the end from the beginning. So even though we don't always understand it, we don't always see it and, and, and stuff is, is going on, he knows the end from the beginning. We just got to walk. We just got to step out and believe. As we lean not on our own understanding, but we acknowledge him. And in all our ways, right, he will guide our paths. So, you know, sometimes you, you, you get around and, and, uh, and you think about what's going on around in the world, and sometimes you don't want to think about it too much. You know, we can read, we can read parts of the Bible unfolding right before our eyes. But we see other parts of the Bible that don't seem to be happening with the same kind of frequency that they used to. You know, we see, we see, you know, albeit a, a minor infirmity, such as, such as I'm, I'm um, pressing through right now, I'm healed in Jesus' name. My body's trying to tell me differently, right? There's probably just about everybody in this room either has something or knows somebody that's going through something that we're pressing through. We're believing for victory. Yes. We know it's a finished work. Amen. Yet, you know, parts of the world where you see some, some ministers go, you see the miraculous things happen. You know, you see the cancers and the tumors drop off. Oh, yeah. You see the people that are that with, with cleft, cleft lips and cleft palates and, and, and things that are restored. Ears that are deformed, that are, that are made new arms and limbs that are missing that grow back it's not with an, an uh, it's not that it doesn't happen in our parts but it seems to happen with a greater scarcity than in some parts of the world and it makes me wonder why and so i started to you know started to wear a little bit of a heavy on that thinking okay well you know I have a part to play in this somehow. So, you know, then, then the old uh, guilt starts playing on. So I had to remind myself of, of uh, Romans 8, you know, Romans 8, 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, right? And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you 
freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Law of Moses couldn't do it, but the Spirit could. Right. So let's uh, let's look with me. We're gonna we're gonna take a little walk through the scriptures because. You know, as much as I'm feeling that, we can actually see that there are progressions in the Scripture. And we don't have to look any further than to the group of men that followed Jesus directly. So uh, let's, uh, let's jump into some Scriptures. We're going to start with uh, Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to go with verse 10. And you'll notice that the screens aren't up tonight. Uh, there's plans to. Uh, there was plans to raise the uh, the screens, but uh, uh, those involved uh, got waylaid, and so there they are, not up. <laughs> so uh, you'll have to do it the old-fashioned way. And see, we're in a church where people actually bring their Bibles, Amen. and or computers or phones or PDAs or tablets or notes or whatever it takes, right? Ephesians 1.10, and this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify Him. And as I, as I read, read this, go back to the second last sentence. So He has purchased us to be His own people. So for, for those of you who, who may be hearing the voice, I don't feel like I belong, well, you do. Because you were purchased. And you are his own people. He has made us such. See, sometimes we are hard on ourselves. I'm really hard on myself. I don't know about you guys, but I'm really hard on myself. I expect more of myself than I probably is fair for me to do. I have high standards, and I like to to um, I like to live up to my expectations, and I seldom do. So I'm often disappointed. And that and that can be that can be hard on someone. You've heard me speak before. This is not new. You know, perfection oriented and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's a trap. It is a it is a treadmill. And the Lord is re- delivering me from it. He is help. He's helping me to realize Amen. to relax in Him. But it's a it's a work. <laughs> it's a work. Um, and again, you know, I started by saying, you know, sometimes we're hard on ourselves because not, we're not where we want to be or not where we expected to be or things haven't turned out quite the way we thought they should. Why do we put that kind of insane, unreasonable pressure on ourselves? Well, a lot of it is cultural, you know. A lot of it is generated by society. A lot of it is generated by the father of lies, 
the ones who wants to get us on a treadmill and wants to get us so busy trying to do stuff that we get frustrated and just say, to heck with it. Or go to the actual radical extreme saying, that's it, I'm done with this life. And there are people that have fallen into that trap. But that is not God's best. That is not the purpose. And that's not where we're supposed to be. See, so again, I, I go back to think, okay, I'm not the first one to have ever thought that way. The early disciples walked with Jesus. Now think about this for a minute. They didn't have all the techni technological distractions. You know, they didn't have the news coming at us 24-7-52 on every different device and metrics. You know, it wasn't like the, the, uh, the, the local lizard was coming and bringing you news. You know, it, it, it wasn't like you were getting, you know, getting it off the TV. You know, not even like the Flint, Flint, Flintstones, the old cartoon where there was a TV carved out of rock and a bird inside, right? Like, there wasn't any of this kind of stuff going on. The news was direct by person. You know, there was, there was parchments, there was tablets, there was things that were, that were conveyed. But most of the news was done by voice or by, you know, spoken or song. And Jesus walked with his disciples, or shall I say the disciples walked with Jesus. They saw the king of kings in his humanity walking with him for not hours, not days, not weeks, but for three years. And we, we read most commonly about the 12, but there was more. You know, there's the 12 and the 60 and the 120. And, you know, there's, there's different circles. And, of course, the three and the one. So they were exposed to every move of his, his ministry. And, but for the most part, with very few exceptions recorded in Scripture, up until the day of Pentecost, they didn't do much. They did what, what he told them. But you didn't read much of their great miraculous workings. They were with him all the time. He fed the 4,000 and the 5,000. He turned the water into wine. He did all those different miracles that we read about. You know, he healed everywhere he went. We don't read many accounts in the, in the early days of the disciples of what they were doing when they were with Jesus. And again, up until the day of Pentecost, that doesn't change much. And I'm going to show you why, or at least show you what I mean. It was not until his ascension that the disciples began to walk in the truth of who he was, and dare I say, who they were. So initially, they were walking in the knowledge of Jesus. You are the Messiah, says Peter right? Upon this rock of revelation, I'll build my church, right? So they knew who he was. They witnessed what he has done, but they're not really walking in the truth of it yet. So it wasn't until the baptism of the Holy Spirit that comes up, and, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll get there, that they be begin to be filled 
with his power. And they started to walk in it. It was shortly after that they began to walk in the reality of the truth, of the empowerment that they have been given. And being the Christians, the Christ in them, the ones like Christ, right, that began to walk. And we begin to read in the uh, what is referred to as the Acts of the Apostles, or in actual, the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles, right? We begin to read what they began to do. But in a, in a, a verse here, in a, in a few minutes, I'm going to show you that they went from walking with Jesus every day to just about giving up, going back to the way things were. Things aren't the same. He's not there with us anymore. So in John 20, so the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 30, it says, The disciples saw Jesus do many miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. And that's referring to the book of John. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Well, let's move on to the next chapter, John 21. It says, now later, Jesus, Jesus appeared, so this is after his, his, uh, after his crucifixion and resurrection. John 21, verse 1. It says, later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee, this is how it happened. Several of his disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. So what did he do? He went back to what he knew. Right? That's what, that's what Peter was doing when Jesus found him, was it not? He was fishing. And by all accounts, he wasn't a very good one. Because <laughs> he spent all night fishing, not catching anything. Because Jesus asked him both times, did you get anything? <laughs> nope. <laughs> catching out on the other side. The disciples said, we'll come too. They all said, so they went out of the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but disciples couldn't see who it was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple, Jesus loved, said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the, load, pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from shore. When they got there, they found the breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking on a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore. There was 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now, come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. I love this part. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. So wait a minute. They all wanted to ask, but they didn't dare ask. But they knew who he was. Doesn't that sound like us sometimes? <laughs> 
Uh, sounds like me, okay. <laughs> then Jesus served the bread and fish. This was the third time that Jesus had appeared to his disciples and he had been, since he had been raised from the dead. So after, after Jesus had been betrayed in the garden and was crucified, right, the disciples went fishing. They didn't go out declaring the good news. They had seen him now. At this point, this is the third time that they had seen him, right? But they're still not declaring his resurrection. They're still not walking in any kind of boldness. They, they heard him talk about what was going to happen for the last three years. And it's only now just starting to clue into them, even having him, you know, on the road to Emmaus, the disciples were walking along the way, and Jesus was reading to him from the scriptures everything that has just happened. And only when he was about to leave did the light come on that they realized, we just walked how many miles with the Lord? So don't be hard on yourself. You're not the first one. And we didn't have the benefit of spending side-by-side, seat-by-seat, round-the-fire time with him. Now, we can spend intimate time alone, but what I'm saying is we didn't have the benefit of that physical fellowship. And they didn't have it all together. So relax. Relax, John. Just, you're, not, you're not that bad, right? Okay. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. And I'm not going to read all of it. I could, but I'm not going to. I'll spare you that. Acts chapter 2, and we'll, uh, we'll go in verse 1, and we'll kind of just serendipitously go through it here. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present, how many were present? Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. Now, for the, for the sake, sake of, of time, we're not going to go through this whole account. We know that, that Peter stands up and, and steps up and began to tell all those that were accusing them of being drunk. Like, maybe we need to read it. I mean, who in there, has anybody ever been around somebody that's been drunk and actually heard them speaking in a different language? They might be speaking in intelligible words, but I doubt it's an unknown language, or at least unknown to you. Right. It's certainly not if you speak multiple languages, it's probably not one of the other languages that you speak. I've never known that in any of my experience or any of my encounters with anybody that have been under the influence of anything to come up with that kind of miracle. It is a miracle. It's a gift that the Holy Spirit has given us to be able to speak in other tongues. So much so that people in other languages can hear what you're saying in their own language. So however many people there, and it talks about all the different cultures and all the different languages that were there, and they were all hearing the same message in their own native tongue. Think about that for a minute. 
And of course, Peter goes on and talked about how this is all declared in, in, by the prophet Joel, and that he was going to pour out the Spirit. But that everyone who calls, and go down to, to jump down to uh, verse 21, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew that would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to the cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. King David said this about him, I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad, and my tongue shouts his praise. My body rests in hope, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself, for he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future, and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection, he was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body in the grave. Verse 32, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted in the place of the highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven. Yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand. And we'll skip down a few verses here. Verse uh, 37, and Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. I won't do that. Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. It's a good word, right? It's a good message. Salvation to all. Save yourself from this crooked generation. You can say the same thing now. What do we have to do? Let's repent. Turn to God. In order to turn and face something, you may have to turn away from something else. I can't face Pastor Paul the whole time I'm looking at Reverend Ann. And if I turn and face Pastor Paul, I'm no longer facing Reverend Ann. And if I turn my back, I'm no longer facing you. We have a lot of conflicting things competing for our attention. Sometimes I wonder, 
again, getting back to part of what I said earlier, you know, thinking about some of the ministries that happen in the third world countries, things that we've seen, I haven't personally seen, but I've, I've heard the reportings of from faithful people in this congregation and our pastors and the ministries that they've done in the Philippines and the Ukraine, how lives are changed. But those people live an entirely different lifestyle than the most of us live here in North America. There is a whole different level of dependence upon God. Because over there, if God doesn't come through, you're sunk. They don't have the pharmacy to fall back on. They don't have the medical system as, as, as wrinkled as it may be and with its flaws. It is still here to help us. But by the same token, that help creates a layer of um, independence. We're, 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 no, we're not so fully dependent upon God when we have a plan B. Or maybe God's plan B. Just saying. No, no condemnation. Let the Holy Spirit do his work here. Because I'm trying to figure out what is it, what is it that needs to happen for us to see this, to see these life-changing, like the fire department showing up outside because they're seeing weird signs that look like fire on the roof of the building and nothing's burning. Right? People falling out of the out of the building as they go under the influence of the Holy Spirit being changed. People that walk in here with some kind of affirmity, that walk out completely and absolutely healed, delivered, set free from every infirmity, major, minor, or everything in between. Mental, physical, emotional. It doesn't matter if it has a name, it has a condition, it's subject to the name of Jesus. Where is the power? I know God hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that dwells in us. And it's not by our strength or ability that any of this stuff happens. So it begs the question, why? So let's keep on looking. Let's see if we can find out why. And if we don't find the answer tonight, maybe I've just stirred the pot a little bit to get us thinking about it, to thinking in that direction. And maybe with a continuation of, of seeking the, the, the Word and seeking the Lord in prayer, we'll come up with a solution and we'll find out and we will see this nation changed. And we will see the corruption leave. And we will see lives changed. And the wave of glory go from sea to sea. I don't know where all that came from. So verse, uh, verse 42. Now let's go back to verse 41. We might as well hear the good news first, right? So those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000. The believers form a community. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the sharing in meals including the Lord's Supper and the prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous, many miraculous signs and wonders. Okay, so who's doing the miraculous signs and wonders now? The apostles and or the disciples. 
This, uh, we're going to jump into the next verse again. And it's an interesting time. Man, that's wild how that fast that clock goes on this side of the pulpit. I don't know if it goes that fast on the other side. but um, This is still in uh, Acts 3. I think we're going 3-1. Yeah, 3-1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called Beautiful, so he could beg for the people going to the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at, them intent looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar who had been so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Let's go to Acts chapter 4. So, the disciples of the apostles are beginning to move now in the power as they're beginning to perform miracles. There's consequences sometimes. When Jesus walked, walked and moved in the power, was there not consequences? <laughs> there was. We know what the consequences were for him. They yelled, crucify! Yeah. Well, same people, same players are still in the same community. Let's read Acts 4. We're going to start in verse 23. So the, the, the disciples had been arrested at this point, and they'd been let go. Okay, so if, again, we're skipping, skipping ahead in the interest of time. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard re the report, all the believers lifted their voice together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying... Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against the, his Messiah. In fact, this happened here in this very city. For Herod, Antipas, Pontius Pilate, and the governor, the Gentiles, and all the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word with boldness. Amen. So they go from walking in the knowledge, to walking in the truth, to walking in the power, 
to now beginning to walk in the boldness. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs. A few miraculous signs. No? You don't have the screen, so you've got to read it in the Word. What's it say? The apostles were performing many, many miraculous signs. And the normal things. Wonders. Among the believers. People. The people. So there was a mix. So the apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple. Now, (laughs) they were all what? They were all meeting. When? Regularly. (laughs) Where? (laughs) At the temple? On the live stream? (laughs) Don't want to touch. You know what? I am so glad for technology. And, you know, I'm a part of it. When I'm not, <laughs> when I'm not here, I'm often back there with the technology, helping, helping those actually convey the message through our different streams and voices. And I'm glad we have those voices. But there is no substitute for the communion of being together in one body to bringing that supply of the Spirit. Now, I know that there is no distance in God. There's no distance. There's no time. And I know that message, although it's spoken here today, right, it may be heard two years from now, and it can have the same power to whoever hears it by whatever voice, whether it's on YouTube or whether it's on some recorded media or whatever, that message can still go forth and change life. So I'm not diminishing the power of it. But the Scripture does tell us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Just because it's convenient not to, doesn't mean we should. Now, if we're unable to, and we have a means to still connect, well then there, there's, there's, the, good, there's the good option, right? But it ought not to be plan A. No. <laughs> Just, can I say that? Now, if you don't live around here, obviously you want to be part of this fellowship, you want to be part of the ministry, it's plan A. Because you're not going to drive here every day from Digby or from New Glasgow or Cape Britain or up there in uh, Pond Inlet. We've got people that have seen us all over the world. They can't join us here every time we meet. But there are people that live 15 minutes away that can. And there are people that choose not to. And some that used to that don't anymore. We just got to keep praying. Keep believing. Don't meddle, John. Sorry. Preach the word with boldness. Let's preach the word. All right. So the uh, the apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders. See, now signs and wonders can happen by remote too, but they don't have the same impact as when they happen corporately. All the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. Yet more and more people... So another seeming conundrum, right? Another another, uh, um, uh, conflict information. It says no one else dared join them, but then it says yet more and more people believed. So there was definitely changes going on. There were changes of heart. There was fear in place. Why? Because of the officials. 
because of the legalism, because of the, the, the government of the day, civil and spiritual. The temple leaders were the ones that crucified Jesus, remember? <laughs> As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as they went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. Everyone was healed. They didn't have to call for the elders to see if there was any sick. They brought them, and they were healed. One more scripture, and I'll close. John 14, beginning in verse 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. I want to see the acts, the power. Let's see lives changed. Not a form of godliness, but the power of God moving in our midst. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you again. I thank you for the opportunity to be here and to deliver your word. And I thank you that it is your word that has gone forth. May your word make, bring about change. Let my voice and opinion fall in the distance but let your word and your truth remain. Thank you, Lord, that we are looking to you, the author and the finisher of our faith, the same God of the acts of your Holy Spirit through the apostles and the disciples in the book of Acts. And we're looking to you to bring those about now. We pray, as the disciples did, for boldness, that we may speak your word boldly, that we may act your word boldly, that we may follow your word boldly. And we thank you for signs and wonders following. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.